Hi friends, welcome to the Herding Tigers podcast, the podcast for people who lead creative teams. My name is Todd Henry. I'm the author of The Accidental Creative, Die Empty, Louder Than Words, and the brand new book, Herding Tigers, which releases in January. And this podcast is really the result of a couple of things. First of all, just seeing and noticing over the course of the last decade or so that I've been working with creative teams that there is a real dearth of information for people who lead creative teams about how to do that effectively. You know, leading teams of creative people is very unique. It's very different from traditional management. And it requires a unique approach. And and part of the reason it's unique is that people who are leading creative teams are often practitioners themselves. They're people who came up, whether it's as a writer, a designer, something of that nature. And now, you know, they're used to being a tactician, but now they're in a leadership role where they're leading other tacticians. But when you make a transition from a maker mindset to a manager mindset, you have to adopt a different approach. You can no longer just own the work. You have to own everything. You own the culture. You own uh, how the work is done. You own the process. You own the relationships with the client. You own selling the work into the client or into the organization. You have to really own the entire environment, which means that you need to remove yourself from the work so that you can lead the work because it's not your job to do the work. It's your job to lead the work. And so on this show, we're going to talk about some of those unique dynamics that emerge when we transition from a maker mindset to a manager mindset, first of all. And second of all, this podcast is going to feature some solo episodes with me just kind of sharing things I'm learning, principles I'm seeing, things that seem to be working really well in the marketplace, but also a conversation between me and my friend Ricardo Crespo. And Ricardo is going to tell you a little about himself in just a minute. But um, really, it, it sort of resulted from some conversations that we had had over over dinner, over breakfast, uh, you know, uh, over drinks, or just on the phone, where we were talking about some of these pressures and dynamics of leading creative teams. And we thought, boy, it'd really be great if we just had a microphone here right now. We could just record this and share it with other people. Um, not because what we were saying was so profound, but because there really isn't a forum to talk about some of these unique dynamics that creative leaders face. And so on this show, uh, sometimes I'll be sharing some some ideas, uh, some principles, and sometimes it'll feature a conversation between myself and Ricardo Crespo. And on this inaugural episode, it will be a conversation with Ricardo Crespo. So very excited to have Ricardo on the show. And he's going to be talking a little about who he is, what he does and uh, kind of introducing himself in just a minute. But um, if you have a question you would like us to address, reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Todd Henry, T-O-D-D-H-E-N-R-Y, or just send them to interact at accidentalcreative.com. And would love to hear your questions, your thoughts uh, that you would like us to address here on the Herding Tigers podcast. And we will address those on a future episode. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into the conversation with Ricardo Crespo. It's pretty broad, pretty wide ranging, and you're going to find that we go off on just a couple of tangents, but that's just kind of the nature of what happens when we get together. So without further ado, here's our conversation. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Well, I am so honored and pleased and thrilled. Uh, I think I'm using all the superlatives I know to uh, welcome today to the other end of the line, my friend Ricardo Crespo. Ricardo, it is great to be here with you today on the inaugural edition of the Creative Leader Podcast. 
Oh, it's great to be back, Todd. Thank you for making the time. And, uh, you know, the best way to express this, you know, that, that saying brevity, ditto to what you said about all the support. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So so the way this came about, just for those of you listening in, the way this came about is Ricardo and I will jump on the phone every so often and we'll just kind of get into these long conversations or, or occasionally we'll be in the same city for some reason. We'll have breakfast and we'll just get into these long conversations about creativity, creative leadership, some of the unique dynamics of creative leadership, some of the struggles that we've each had over time in leading teams or some of the things I'm hearing from some of my clients. And we'll just kind of talk about these things. And um, often I would say something to the effect of, I just wish that we had recorded this conversation, right? I just wish that we had some yeah. something, some way of, of getting some of these ideas or these thoughts out to people. And then uh, probably about what, two months ago, we were talking on the phone again. And uh, we said, well, maybe we should just do that. Let's just create a venue for us to have conversations about this and where people can ask us questions and we can kind of reflect back uh, some ideas about the nature of leading creative people. Uh, and so really the goal for this show is just to create a forum where we can have conversations, real conversations, not uh, you know sort of high-level, platitude-laden conversations, but real conversations about what it is to lead creative people, um, Ricardo. For, for those for those who might be tuning in um, to a podcast, uh, an Axon Creative podcast for the first time, could you share with people a little bit about your background and kind of who you are and and um, you know some of what what fires you up as it relates to this topic? Sure, sure. Thanks, Todd. Um, some some people in the community may know me. I'm I'm a little bit stealthy by design, and I, I can explain that a little later on in the show. But uh, as sort of a quote unquote uh, creative leader, I've had the wonderful wonderful privilege and fortune to uh, I'm trained as a designer I'm trained as a creative formally but had the wonderful journey coming up through the multinational ad agencies as an art director or creative director you know going through the motions and then the unique opportunity Todd to have jumped over to what I call the client side being a creative but never losing sort of that creativity I've just sort of ported that equity over into the client side and that that jump uh, over from the agency world, sort of what I call the service world, to the client side has been immeasurable as far as the relationships uh, that have been beneficial because the feedback that I get is, wow, somebody from the agency side over here as a creative working with other creatives again, um, as a client, uh, you really understand how to speak with us. You really understand how the dynamic works. So really, really fortuitous way that I've been able to give back to both sides of the camp. But uh, in the client side, had the wonderful opportunity to have a, an executive tenure with Mattel um, in El Segundo, California, and then moved over there. And from there, had the wonderful opportunity to be invited to hold a creative executive post at 20th Century Fox, the movie studio, and worked on some pretty interesting IP. So an interesting journey, Todd, to go from uh, an ad agency world to the toy world to the movie business and everything in between that has allowed me to work with folks like Nike and, and Apple and and Coca-Cola and things like that. And it's really allowed me the benefit of having a perspective that I'd love to share in our conversations like this today that, you know, to your point, when we, when we talked about this at the restaurant, it was, uh, it was great. We, you know, our description was, geez, if we could just be flies on the wall in some of these conversations, how cool would that be? And then we just right, realized, right. let's put a microphone in the room. And so, yeah, hopefully <laughs> we, can, uh, we can share some of that. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the journey throughout this, which is still uh, going, I, you know, I have an insatiable appetite to learn and absorb information and, and learn from other people. It's a, it's a wonderful perspective that hopefully as a community we can, we can share some insights and they can resonate and maybe applicable to a lot of our friends in That's the audience. Great. Yeah. 
That's great. Yeah. So I, I will say one thing to people who aren't familiar with Ricardo or aren't as familiar with Ricardo is that um, he is incredibly understated and humble and, and will not toot his own horn. If I had done half the things that he has done in his career, I would be shouting them from the rooftop. So uh, thank you for that very understated and very humble introduction of yourself. Um, I'm sure that that uh, if you want to know what Ricardo has done, just go Google him. You'll find it. Anyway. Um, or you so, won't find anything. <laughs> Why does that? Or, or maybe you will. That's right. <laughs> because yeah. he's stealthy. He's a ninja. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I sent a, a call out, Ricardo, kind of put out the bat signal to uh, the community to ask a couple of questions for these inaugural episodes of the podcast. And um, interestingly, the very first thing that came back was the topic that I was hoping we could address anyway in this first episode. So it was kind of almost like a felt like a plant, uh, but it's not a plant. This is an actual question. Um, and, and the first question that came up was this. What are some of the unique challenges of leading creative people. I think the challenge is that when you're leading creative people, you, you're you wrestling with a tremendous amount of uncertainty. And it's not just uncertainty about the problem you're solving, but it's uncertainty in terms of process, uncertainty in terms of expectations. You know, every client is going to be different. You might be reading these nonverbal cues that say, yeah, I'm right on the same page with you. And then the next day you find out that they hated everything you said. Right? Right. And right. it's it's really, it's really challenging, you know, dealing with wrestling with this uncertainty on a on a daily basis. And that uncertainty itself can be the source of a lot of angst, a lot of frustration, and a lot of tension on teams. Because I think the question is, are we, you know, are we aligned? Are we on the same page? Well, I could answer yes, and you could answer no, and we could both be right because it's all about my expectations um, right. going in, right? And so I think um, you know, one of the things, one of the unique challenges that I've observed with leading highly uncertain creative work is that you have to, as you said, Ricardo, I think so well, you have to have a point of view as a leader. You know, you have to have something people can hang their hopes on, hang their um, expectations on. You have to be sort of the rigid backbone of the organization so that people know that there's some stability in the midst of that uncertainty. Um, you know, you can't just go with the flow. You have to have a point of view. Maybe we could talk uh, in, a, in a future episode about how do you determine that point of view? How do you communicate that point of view? You know, Do you have a leadership philosophy or something that can keep your team aligned? But that's the real challenge, right? Is that you as the leader have to provide some degree of stability in the midst of the uncertainty because everything can't be uncertainty for your team. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, um, that uncertainty, to your point, Todd, is very much uh, a clear symptom and an attribute of ambiguity, right? And that means uh, they'll know it when they see it. And you got to hope that they'll like it when they see it, which is a very dangerous space, as you know. And the, the tactical part of that danger, Todd, is that if you're approaching a process and then delivering against that uncertainty of that process with, hey, look at this, or would you please review this, what essentially happens is that you're you're having your audience, you're having the person on the other side of the table, whether it's one or a group or a client, uh, an individual, they're reviewing everything that you're presenting in front of them subjectively. Right. So one of the things that I would say that, that to, to be able to, to stave off that uncertainty as leaders is what I found, and this is a personal experience. When I came up in the business, Todd, as you and I came up in the business, you know, I was I was a trained art director. I was a really, really good, what I call hard skills art director. I could design, I could, I could do this, I could put these layouts together, I could compose, and I was getting better presenting. But what I found as I refined my journey, as I, as I learned more experience, and I, and I say learn experience versus climbing the ladder, per se, as I learned more experience, 
the applied ability to build on that was strictly about being aware of learning to communicate. Because at the end of the day, we can create something, but if we don't have the masterful way and constantly refining that mastery to communicate what it is that we're presenting, then at the end of the day, personal experience, the person on the other side of the table is going to review it subjectively. And if they don't understand what you're presenting, then they're left with just going, I like it or I don't like it. But if they understand, then what happens is they're looking at it and going, based on your expertise and the way that you shared it with me, the way that you presented it to me, I can understand why you've gone here. Because that is a much better way to to look at something to then say, oh, I I may not like that, but here's why I don't like it based on what you said. Right. Well, and that's that's another unique challenge, right, is that the, the value isn't always apparent on the surface. You know, leading other kinds of work. Um, you know, where the results may be a, a tad more objective in nature. Uh, you, you, do, you don't have to argue for the team. You don't have to argue for the results the same way that you do when you're leading creative work because the results are often somewhat subjective and they may be judged by somebody who doesn't have the expertise to be able to qualify whether this is good or whether this isn't good. And so you as a leader, you have to make the argument for this is why we chose this direction. Here's what backs up our decision or our little decisions along the way to go this direction. And here's why we think you should validate the output. I mean, it's a, that's a difficult role to play as a leader because in many ways you you have to put yourself on the line. And sometimes you may not even be 100% in agreement with all the decisions that were made, but you still have to put yourself on the line and fight for your team. Absolutely. And you have to, you have to speak intelligently, Todd, for your team, right? And, and I would say to you that you know, as a leader, as a creative leader, as an influencer, as an ambassador, a representative of other creative colleagues, people, whether they're your, your direct reports or not, it is ab- absolutely incumbent upon you to learn to communicate better. And the better you learn to communicate, the more you apply this simple word called brevity, which is being able to say what most people would say in 10 words, to say it effectively in three. And people just look at you and go, I get it. I understand where you're going with this, you know, and I would say to those people, and I'm, and I'm one of them, Todd, you know, I'm going to speak firsthand on this, like peel back the layers of the onion. When I came up and I cut my teeth, I wasn't, I was an instinctive natural leader. I was really good at the hard skills of design, of creativity. But what I found was as I grew up, you don't have to be innately a great communicator, but it's very much incumbent upon you as a leader to develop to willingly go out and understand and observe other people, how they communicate. So one of the things I used to do all the time was, how do other people communicate in other verticals? And what I found, you know, this is a little anecdotal thing, I found that when I watched comedians, Todd, it was a very, very unexpected but insightful way to sort of groom and influence leadership without a direct saying, okay, here's my creative director teaching me how to do this, or here's how the head of our group is teaching me how to do this. I looked outside of my space, and then I studied that, and then I applied and I adapted it to the learnings, and that was something I continually honed and did. Like, you know, comedians are great because they have to tell you an engaging story in two minutes or less and how they, they verbalize a picture in your mind's eye, right, without ever telling you That's the punchline right. right away. And and so I found as a suggestion for, for, for leaders or, or, or developing leaders out there, watch, watch improv comedians. 
Watch regular stand-up comedians and watch, watch how they interact with an audience. Watch how they bring you into a story so that you're sort of at the edge of your seat and you're waiting for the punchline. And then as they're talking, you are innately looking into your mind's eye. And what is this that you're visualizing and you're engaging in this story? And that's what I think leaders need to do of other creative people is represent them, extend them, understand the story that needs to be told, but then present that story so that it's not going to be reviewed subjectively. Agree completely. I mean, if you, especially with the comedian thing, you know, a comedian's job is to surprise and delight, right? That's yep. what they do. And so, you know, you want to surprise people. You want to tell a story in such a way that you're leading them, you're leading them. There, there's anticipation, there's suspense, and then boom, you surprise them, you delight them. It reinforces the learning. It gets them on your page. They're excited about what you're doing. Um, but that is a skill that has to be developed. And the problem, I think, a lot of the problem is that. Leaders are really good at the tactical nature of the work, right? They're, often they, they get promoted because they're really good at what they do. The problem is that when you become a leader, it's not your job to do the work anymore. It's your job to lead the work and to argue for the work, right? And to sell the work in and to become the ambassador for the people on your team. So things like communication skills, like you said, your ability to tell stories and tell stories in a way that earns trust and builds bridges within the organization. Those kinds of things become a critical, critical skill set for leaders. Whereas for the for the sort of rank and file person in your organization, if they can't do that, but they're really killer, they have great skills in other areas, that's fine. But as a leader, those communication skills are absolutely essential if you want to, if you want your team's work to get the airing that it deserves within the organization or with your client. Right. And then if you, to your point, Todd, if you want, if you want, because you need your team's work to be understood and be trusted and be seen as credible because of an expertise yeah. that the person, you know, you're, you're in partnership. You're not just servicing uh, the person on the other side of the table. And then you also hit on something that was very key, Todd, in my opinion, which is as a leader, as a representative, as an extension of your team, whether it's just you and another person or you or 20 other people, the other insightful thing that I would share with leaders is that never lose sight of the fact that regardless if you invented it or someone on your team invented it or created it, here's the thing that happens is you can't go in there as a leader and say, well, I didn't do this. That's They screwed up. That's their fault. No, 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 no. As a creative leader, the way that you build rapport with your peers, with your direct reports, and then the way you build and strengthen the rapport with your client or whoever it is that you're presenting to is that you are absolutely taking on full accountability, right? Because to your point, as you develop as a leader, you're, you're becoming less and less more so designing it themselves. You have, an, you have a say in it by guiding the direction with your experience, but you may not actually have tactically got on the board and opened up Illustrator or, 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 or you know, opened up this film editing app, things like that. But accountability as a leader is absolutely key because what's going to happen as you refine your leadership role, as you mature in the business, you have to be able to demonstrate clearly the accountability of the work that you're presenting, whether you authored it or someone else on your team authored it. Because you can't yeah. say, oh, I didn't do that. So if you don't like it, they did it. No, 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 no. Right. That's right. You're accountable. Well, and you lose trust. Yeah. yeah, you're accountable and you lose trust. There's a, a chapter in my my forthcoming book that's called They Broke It, You Bought It, right? right. Which is like, right. listen, it doesn't it doesn't matter. If, if it happens on your team, you own it, period. Uh, because you're the leader. You're responsible for things you see and the things you don't see. It doesn't matter if it's under your authority, you own it. And that's a difficult mindset for leaders to adopt because when you're just a team member, it's like, well, 
I'll do my thing, but if somebody else doesn't do their job, that's their problem and they're going to get blamed for it. But when you're the leader, it doesn't work that way. You own everything. Right. And I, Todd, I'll give you a perfect uh, applied experience example. When uh, when I was at one of the firms, I was had the good fortune to be a creative leader. I would have a budget allocated to my senior creative directors that would say, okay, your, your job as a senior creative director, your role, your influence is to assemble the best creative throughput. And you are going to lead, and here is a, a financial budget that you are allowed to engage outside expertise, whether that's another agency, an illustrator, a writer, things like that. And what I found was sometimes the underdeveloped that needed a little more potential creative director would come back to me and say, I don't like what the agency did here, and, um, and I'm going to show you anyway. And I would stop them right in their tracks, and I would say, if you don't like it, why are you showing it? Right, because what you what they're essentially saying to me is, I don't like it. But if you like it, then great. But if you don't like it either, then great. Because you know what, they didn't they do it properly. And what I would communicate back to them is, what you get back is directly proportional to the direction you give out. So you have to uh, you have to be accountable for that. And that's why you're rising in the ranks and, and cutting your teeth and, and, and you know, gaining tenure in the business is you're refining your ability to understand how to corral other experts peers above you, below you, around you, so that you can communicate what it is the objective is. But as soon as they can come back with something subpar and and you don't sign up for that accountability, it's a direct reflection of your lack of, of readiness to be a leader, in my opinion. I love that. All right. I think this is a good place to end this conversation on the unique challenges lean creep. I think we just gave ourselves 20 more topics we can hit on I love the it. next I love it. several weeks. But uh, Ricardo, thanks so much. This was awesome. And I uh, look forward to the next episode. You got it. Thanks, Todd. Cheers. And of course, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe to the Herding Tigers podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, jump on the leader list at toddhenry.com slash leader. You'll get one tip a week for 52 weeks to help you be a better leader of creative teams. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.